Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran. It is great to be with you. Kerry, I am with you today to talk about wives. Well, not just wives about husband and wives and the dynamic that exists between us. And that dynamic creates an atmosphere. It helps foster the culture in our home. Are you excited about that? Uh, well, it depends on how exposed I am. Well, good, the good thing is the five words that we're going to discuss today around that begin with the letter A, not the letter E. So you won't get exposed. All right. So back in a minute with more of the program. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Hey, welcome back. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, I thank you for the gift of marriage that you established a world in which marriage would be a sign of your covenant, be a sign of the commitment of Christ to his church. And Lord, I ask in his holy name, Father, that you would bless married couples, especially those listening, especially those who are struggling to manifest in, in, in a way that is full of joy and life and vitality, uh, the will that you have for our marriages. Lord, help us not to be discouraged. Help us to find encouragement in what we hear today. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would surprise us. Surprise us, Lord, with new gifts and graces, new promptings, new anointings, Lord, for what it is you're doing in our lives. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Carrie, do you remember in our earliest year, our first year of marriage, I think if we had a theme for that first year of marriage, it would have been verso l'alto. You know what that is? To the heights. To the heights. Who is that? Blessed George. Pierre Giorgio. Giorgio. Frassati. That's right. Going to the heights. Do, do you remember that? Do you remember there was that sense of, honey, we're going to just become saints and we're going to like figure out all those things that are just these obstacles in the way and, and we'll overcome them in the first year. And there's something so wonderful about being naive <laughs> and unexperienced and high hopes. I hear kids now that are 22, 23, 24 are under 30, have these great visions and ideas of what their life is going to be like and where they're headed. Or when I hear the kids graduating from college and or not college, high school. And they're like, oh, I'm going to be a surgeon or I'm going to be a, a medical doctor. Or I'm going to go into be a lawyer. And it's all great. But when life really uh, unfolds, it just slowly kind of wears you down. It takes a while. I, I It didn't dawn on me. I, I don't know. It took me a few years to realize that there is, let's call it pacing in marriage, that we were going to be wrestling with some things and there were going to be ways in which we were going to have to walk together. And those easily identifiable like weaknesses that we had weren't just going to go away. Well, the great thing is we didn't know any better and we had so much time and energy and excitement. I think the first few years of marriage are so wonderful and 
in a different way than the last few years. But um, I love being around newlyweds. I love feeding off their energy and their positivity and their expectations of how far they're going to go and how fast they're going to get there. And I'm like, you go. <laughs> and some some of them do amazing things. Um, but it's just interesting to look back at some of the letters we wrote each other and realize after you've been at it for 25, 26 years, there's a lot of uh, refinery going on. Well, yeah, I think like jump ahead to about 15 years into our marriage, I can remember, I've used this story before, someone heard me give a talk about raising teens. And they just basically came up and did the equivalent of patting me on the head. Right At this point, I was about 36 years old. And they're patting me on the head saying, very quaint, very cute, very naive. I would love to hear you give this talk again once you have some teens. And I could, I didn't know what I didn't know. I don't know. Maybe I could have known. Maybe I could have said, huh, maybe I, I, I don't get it. I don't think you get it. Yeah. I just don't see how you can. Well, and she was right. That was the thing. Yeah. She, she was right. I was uh, the best talks I ever gave on raising teens. I gave before I had it. Oh, I remember being in, at uh, parent conferences with, with parents. And I was the teacher of junior high kids or fourth grade kids. And giving these parents all sorts of great ideas about how they should do homework and set up study time and how they can improve. And this is before you had kids. And this is all before I had kids. Yeah. And I look back and just smile at my former self thinking you're so dumb, but I didn't know. I just was very excited and hopeful. And that's a great thing is when you start out and you don't know what you don't know, there is a fresh, innocent, fearless energy that is fantastic. It is really something. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that shows up in over time is that how we relate together, it gives off something. I've used that phrase atmosphere. You know, there's that sense of an atmosphere or a culture that surrounds a couple in their home. And that was definitely the case when we were raising our little kids. And as the little kids are getting older, I don't know when it dawned on me specifically that, oh, my kids are getting to that age where they're starting to think about dating and marriage and who their future husband or wife is. And that, wait a minute, some of their ideas, expectations, some of their awareness about what they should be looking for in a spouse, in a husband for my daughter's. It's come from me by how I treated you, by how I lived in the home, by how I functioned as a father in their regard. How about how my daughters treat their future spouse is how I treat you. So not only are they looking for who they'll marry, but how they'll deal with pressure, anxiety, stress, faith, spirituality, communication. I mean, there's so many things. Goals and ideals, uh, use of time and energy, uh, you know, lifestyle. Yes. There's so much of those things. And it's not just, I mean, I look at my parents and how they set the tone in the home and it wasn't just them that I looked to. I did look to my siblings a lot too. So I think that a lot of kids in a home look to each other as well, or they look to their close cousins or very good friends, but ultimately it's mom and dad who 
will help them make the biggest. Do you remember I used to say when we were married, I said, I want to treat your mom and dad the way I want my future in-laws to treat me. Yes. Do you remember that? I do. I did that quite a bit. I was like, my future son-in-laws, man, I'm investing a lot here. <laughs> my kids better be seeing this so that they're, whoever they marry is going to treat me the way I'm treating my father-in-law. Tom, I hate to tell you, they're going to marry who they marry. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're hey, like, I'm praying a lot. I got to fast more, but I'm praying a lot for my kids' future spouses. But today in the program, we are going to unfold some some keys, some principles, some ideals that married couples can reflect on. We're reflecting on them being this is this year will be 30 years married. And we were able to identify five keys to fostering a godly culture or a godly atmosphere in your home through your husband wife relationship. And I I think when we talked about it, it wasn't necessarily even faith-based or godly, but just human excellence. How do you want to show up to each other in front of everyone. And also just when no one's around, how do we treat each other? Cause that just, just that good quality relationship brings such peace and such sense of we're on mission together. And there's a way in which there's harmony and there's the love deepens. And we know it's good because when it's bad, it's bad. And it's like, okay, how do I get back to good? Or how do we get back to that peaceful um, relating? Well, you said a couple of things here that are are important. Uh, I'll summarize one of them. Grace builds on nature. Grace builds on nature means what? It means that the Lord who who comes to us in a sacramental way in in the gift of the sacrament of holy matrimony is built upon the gift that God gave in creation of a husband and wife. So what God has established as flourishing and vitality in human in in a marriage, let's call it in a natural marriage at a human level. That's what displays human excellence. Oh, guess what? That's not going to depart from what will show up in a supernatural way when God's grace hits a married life and a married couple. It'll manifest itself in some paradoxical ways, but yes, the things that the five A's that we're going to talk about are in fact markers of human excellence as well as godliness. So I think that's the first thing, and that's really very important. Uh, the second thing that you said that immediately came to mind, I have immediately forgotten. <laughs> I, I don't remember what it was. What is happening to our brains? No, I'm getting older. Oh my goodness. What was it? What was it? It, it, it was important. I, <laughs> I, I would have brought it up. I wouldn't have brought it up because unless it was important. And what it was, was... I don't remember. It'll come back to me. It will come back to me. And so with that said, oh, I I remember. It was that I want folks to realize that there's a lot at stake in doing this well. There's a lot at stake. And that's one of the things that we say, oh, it's not only how our kids are going to um, treat their future spouses, but it's about us not just settling for where we're at right now that we can begin new. Here we are, you and I, in our 30th year of marriage, 30th anniversary coming up, and we still are reflecting on the fact, this is it, that marriage is a mission. So at a natural level, it might just be linked to the idea of the procreation and begetting of children and form, you know, just the extending of society down through the ages. But at a supernatural level, brothers and sisters, you may not think about this, but we want you to ponder this today. 
that your marriage is a way in which God is accomplishing some good in this world. There's something at stake in your married life from a supernatural perspective. Your marriage has a mission. So I think that that's something that you said in passing, but I wanted to stop. Like, let's not let that just pass by and say that can alter how you take time to reflect on how you're living together as a couple. So I think when you reflect on people's coming together when they first met and falling in love and that sense of, I knew this was the one for me. I think that is a time where it's a sense of mission that God brought us together really is enhanced by that love, by that magnetic, that magnetic um, pull or togetherness. There is a way in which I forget that we're on mission. I forget that, oh, yes, you know, we're on mission. We're called to be this good to the world. Blah, blah, blah. It's easy to use words. Yeah. It's very easy to use words. And then when you're living it out and you're annoyed or disturbed or bothered. and Or it's just drudgery. It feels like, yeah. Like the winter right now in Spokane. It's been so drudgery. It's just terrible. <laughs> just terrible. All the fog. Um, It just feels like when will this end or when, we're, when are we going to? fall deeply in love or when is he going to change? When is she going to stop doing this and start doing that? And it, it just as easy as two humans to come together and fall into these bad ruts and habits and ways of communicating. And I think it's important to recall and refresh, renew that sense of, no, you are to be a, a light. You are a mission. And I just forget that often. You just don't know when you're going to have an opportunity to let your faith come out into the open. So yesterday I had a meeting with a CEO of a prominent real estate brokerage. And I showed up at the meeting and just started visiting and come to find out she's Catholic. And I didn't know that. And she had looked up, you know, who I was. And so we spent a lot of the time talking about our Catholic faith. And one of the things that she said she notices as a trend in real estate these days, especially in Eastern Washington and Northern Idaho, is are the number of people who are moving in a way that overtly brings out their faith, uh, their faith. And she was surprised at that because that wasn't the case years ago. Years ago, the the, the real estate agent could be more functional operationally, uh, transactional, like, let me do a good job in serving you in this functional way. And she's saying that one of the messages she's hearing from the brokerages that they own are the number of agents who are saying, I'm being called upon to engage with these people at a different level than I ever have before and be willing to bring out into the open my faith perspective, my, my faith dimension uh in in my communication and which does, was which was never never happened before and how does that relate to uh sense of being on mission and marriage yeah so the idea that a uh, husband and wife can be like oh we've walked this journey together just sort of doing our duty and maybe not really ever thinking that oh we're being called upon by god to accomplish some supernatural end it can happen in the smallest of acts so Married couple, you're listening to me today. You don't know 
the conversation that you're going to get into today with a neighbor, a friend at the pickleball court, right? Uh, in line at, at, at Costco, right? Or just as you're out and about, or maybe you're on the phone with a friend and I'm telling you, pay attention. There will come a moment when there'll be this prompting where it's like, oh, wait a minute, there's an open door there. And if I'm willing to do it, I can step through and bring up um, my faith. I can bring my faith in Christ to bear on this person and what they just said. And now it's going to be a matter of that's where I'm called to be on mission. All right, Carrie, we're up against a break. We'll talk more about this in a minute in the program. Please stay tuned. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, look into my eyes. What do you see when you look into my eyes? Wait, you want me to answer that? <laughs> uh, it was a great launching point. Come on. We're talking about fostering culture in, in, in couples and fostering a culture means an atmosphere that just flows from our relationship. People talk about like Father Tom Vandenberg in his book on marriage. He talks about what, what it, was it called, like the marriage myth or something like that. The I don't remember. It was and it was unfortunately a title that was suited for the early 70s. Like when he wrote it, it doesn't really fit anymore. But he talks about that love is the in-between. It's that sense that you get when you're literally between two people and you sense the dynamic, the flow that is between them, right? So how do we describe that? How do we describe the 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 first of these five ideals that we can pursue more deeply, right? We don't have to be idealistic, but in a realistic way, say this ideal is meant to come alive in our married life. And it's the first and it's the most foundational way that we will foster a culture in our home that will radiate over to our kids. And it's it's as simple as asking the question, but as profound as asking the question, what do you see when you look into my eyes? That is good. So it is simple and it is profound. Yeah. What do you see in the whole of who you are? That's right. It's and you get that right when when you are perturbed at someone, don't you see it in their eyes? It's not just the look on the face, right? There's there, there's a way that the eyes convey so much. Well, for and, sure, when you see two people newly engaged or newly in love, there is just this esteeming of each other, longing for each other, wanting to be in each other's company. You could just sit and do nothing, and sit on the couch and just be together. And right. it fulfills all that deepest desire of you see me. Well, how about a couple married couple with their first baby? Oh, right. And the baby is oh. just on the, on the, on the uh, baby blanket on the, on the carpet. Yeah. And they're just standing there gazing at that child. So it's not so much anything that they're doing or even saying, 
it's what 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 John Paul II is going to refer to as appreciation. So, uh, and it's actually Abraham Heschel as well, uh, Rabbi Abraham Heschel. Appreciation is that sense that literally shows up in your eyes, on your face, by your demeanor, by your body language, by that very attitude that you're giving off, right? That whole thing is appreciation. And people get that when, uh, you know, when I, I would use this a ton when I was doing executive coaching, when I would walk up to the key person in any organ, any big organization, do you know who the key was? The executive administrative assistant. It's not the secretary or receptionist. This person is an executive administrative assistant. This person wields huge power and is typically incredibly sharp. And typically it was a she, and she was a gatekeeper. You wanted in, you wanted in quickly, you wanted favor. You needed to have a good relationship with the executive administrative assistant. And they were masters at being a brick wall. Just you go up to them and they're just stone faced, right? Very formal, professional, polite. How many jokes would you have to do before they oh, finally smile? It was, crack. I, I would bring them little plants, flowers. I would, oh, the things that I would do with humorous things, like what's the best thing that's happening in your day today? I would ask questions to them that would evoke something. I would, you know, just smile. And over time, it was authentic. That's the thing. It, it wasn't just a, a technique. How I showed up to them was personal and uh, wanting to evoke something different from them than they're typically getting to people who are kind of walking up to them in fear and trembling. Now, how does this relate to being appreciative? Yeah. So I want you to think about that regarding who who is the uh, the person in your family that can be like a brick wall? Who's that person in your family that can put up a wall of resistance from being related to in a life-giving way? That is so easy. That is uh, that's such a so easy. That's such a common experience. It could be me at the end of a hard day. It could be one of our kids at the end of a bad test in a bad school day with something that's happened. It could be our kids after we set a rule or a boundary that they don't like regarding a sleepover or watching TV or accessing a a, a smartphone, right? There's so many times when they are going to show up to us in a way that is fundamentally negative. And that is something that we talked a bit about yesterday, but where that also can happen is between a husband and a wife. And there's a way in which how you see me when I look at you, especially when you're having an off day. Does that have any effect on you? Just say yes. Uh, yes, it just <laughs> melts me. It's like, I'm so blessed to be married to you. I'm just a terrible person when I look in your eyes because I see how I fell. And no. Are you serious? Uh, <laughs> who, who are you? What are you talking about? Uh, no, there's moments where that happens. Or I was like, uh, I'm, I picked well. Um, no, I definitely feel like 
we convey so much to our children and to our spouse through how we look and how we see them and what we see. And the thing is, and when it says in my thoughts and my words, what I've done failed to do, there's a lot of thoughts that can go in my mind in what I'm thinking about you and I'm processing and it can be good or bad, but that conveys messages. Our thoughts, when we look at someone conveys a message. And I don't know for, I think we're usually aware of it, but I just don't realize how much power that has. And I don't think we're aware of that. Yeah. Yes. So Carrie, we're going to talk about these five A's and the five A's are appreciation, affirmation, acknowledgement, um, admiration, and affection. Those are the five A's and they mean distinct things, folks. So some of them will have, some of them will have to do with words, like especially affirmation. Some of those will have more to do with attitudes like admiration. And some of them will have to do with uh, behaviors, you know, specific behaviors like affection. And in some ways, expressions of gratitude could be all of the above, right? To acknowledge it, we're going to be talking about gratitude there. And that can be a word, that can be an attitude, that can be a deed. So we're going to cover all of that. But I'm saying underneath that, there's the fundamental disposition that says, do I carry, like, how do I foster a deeper sense of appreciation for you? Do you know where I, where, like, where can a married couple say, I want to appreciate my husband more deeply. I want to appreciate my wife more deeply. Do you know where that comes from? Yeah. You just think that they're dead or they're going to die. And you just try to appreciate the fact of what would happen if you didn't have them with you. You know what? That That's probably a tactic that works, <laughs> right? No, I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, in prayer from the Holy Spirit, Jesus reveals it to you. Yes, you you actually boy, those are great. The, the, those are all circling around I, the great way of saying. I think I've been married to you long enough. Yeah, yeah. It's you, you will see your wife or husband more deeply and come to a deeper appreciation when you see them in God's eyes. Or to be more specific, you see your spouse in the eyes of Christ, and. That that's not just poetic. That there's something that's quite profound there, theologically. Theologically, we are before we're created an idea in the mind of God, and that idea comes out into the open in creation through Jesus, who is the Word. So, in prayer, if you believe in prayer, brothers and sisters, do you believe in prayer that you have a living encounter? with Jesus Christ. If you believe that, if you actually believe that the glorified Lord Jesus Christ sees you and meets you in prayer, and that in a spiritual mode, you can say, Jesus, please look me in the eyes and reveal to me who my spouse is in your mind. Who is my spouse to you? And I tell you, Jesus will unveil, he will reveal, he will uncover to you more profoundly who your spouse is. Now, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden there's going to be this ping new insight where, oh, wow, this is a disposition she has, this is a tendency she has, this is an aspect of her personality, but you will find that it bears root and a greater sense of warmth, openness, receptivity, and affection 
All of those things are fruits of the union, the deepening, the deepening union that you have with your wife, literally in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. Because the one that you're loving, in like when I say I love you, you live within me. You live within me in, in 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 a way that is, I know you because of the idea that is living within me that I say, that's you, Carrie, and not somebody else, that that idea is purified, it's expanded, and it's elevated through Jesus Christ. Now, that's kind of a philosophical, spiritual, theological, but I'm describing something that is profoundly authentic and transformative, if we're willing to do it. Uh, So you've done this. (laughs) Carrie, I've lived this. Maybe we should try this for, for Valentine's Day or something. Uh, yeah. So for people that that sounds way too abstract, like well, it doesn't sound abstract. It just doesn't seem like it would work, or it sounds a little, a little elevated. Yes. Okay. So I, as you might remember, the the way to help grow in your appreciation for who your spouse is in God's eyes is to ask something even more fundamental. And what is that? Who am I in your eyes? Who am I in your eyes, Lord? Yeah. I'm getting yeah, two for two. Two it's for two. I mean, you got it. Right. So uh, fostering a greater sense of appreciation for the gift that your spouse is, the gift, literally the gift that you are, Carrie, you're one of a kind and all of that. It, it comes from the Lord. It comes as a gift from the Lord, but that will also come typically as a fruit of your own seeking your own deepest and truest identity in the eyes of Christ. So folks, go to adoration. Go in front of a tabernacle. If you can't have the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, just go into a church. Why? Because it's very concrete. It's very physical. You don't have to doubt. You can look and you can say, okay, in that tabernacle, that's a holy dwelling of the living Lord Jesus as Eucharist. And you can say, if you have that Eucharistic faith, Jesus, please, you're here, I'm here, I'm struggling. I need to have a deeper insight into who I am in your eyes and who my spouse is because I'm struggling to appreciate my spouse. I'm really, I'm having a hard time. Please change, change that, change my heart towards my wife. And that'll show up in your eyes. It'll show up in the demeanor in the spirit you carry in the room. Sounds great. Sounds great. Are you signing <laughs> I'm up I'm just for listening. That? Yeah. No, I'm taking notes. I'm okay. over here taking notes. So, okay. Nice. So that's appreciation, folks. And I say that that, you said earlier that this is also human excellence. And it really is true. Grace builds on nature, folks. Just as a good human being, people can tell that, you know, the person who's, check, who's checking out your groceries, you know, the people that you're meeting in coffee and donuts, the people you interact with at work. They sense something about what you see in them, just literally by how you look at them. So appreciation is a huge thing in the world, but let it come back to the closest and most profound human relationship that you're going to have, and and that's between a husband and a wife. So foster appreciation there, and it'll have beautiful overflowing benefits. Okay, so that's the first one, Carrie. Um, Carrie, what's our second one? Do you remember? Uh, do you want to do uh, affirmation? Affirmation. I don't know. I'm just giving you an A word here. Well, there's a reason why we do that. That we start with uh, appreciation because it's what I. It, it's if you will, appreciation is about the gift that you are. Affirmation is about the gifts that you have. That's the difference. So when I, 
when I appreciate you, I sense that there's this singular, unique, precious quality, one of a kind quality that you are. When I affirm you, that's about speaking words that build up, speaking words that edify. And this one is, I think, easier to access because there is the daily reality of how do you speak to your spouse? Yes. What do you say? What's that whiteboard test? If you say five critical or you have to say five positive for everyone critical. Is it even that low? I thought it was something like nine or 10 positives to overcome one negative. Well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Let me give you five positive. I, I, there was some research they did that. I don't remember. I think it was 10 or even 12 positives. But for me, the whiteboard test is you might think that you don't have a problem with this. You, husband, I'll say husbands, your husbands might not think you have a problem with this, that of course you're building up your wife. Of course, your your speech, the total words and language you're talking about with your spouse would be a, a net positive. It would edify. Well, or it would just be neutral. Or neutral. Because yeah, I, I, I think we're talking about more when it does damage. That's what it's hard to come back from. Uh, yeah, that's that's Sorry. that's just the other side of our it coin. Take <laughs> it down a notch <laughs> or five. Well, the whiteboard test is don't tell me what you think you're saying to your wife, but instead... Um, write it down in a mental whiteboard, what you actually said, and then go back and review that whiteboard. And you know what you're going to discover? You'll be exposed to yourself. I, I think it's off. It's often too, not what you say. It's the tone in which you say it. That is actually the most exposing. So just record yourself. Then wow. you can hear it. Wow. I never thought of that. That's pretty striking. All right, Carrie, great point. We're up against a break. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, we talked a bit about appreciation. It's how you show up and it's appreciating the gift that your spouse is. And that has such a powerful influence on the environment that you create in the home. The second is affirmation, and that's language. Language can be used to build up or it can be used to tear down. Language can be used to bless or to curse. Language was used by God in the scriptures to create. Language is also used in uh, the um, in the uh, in the scriptures to uh, to cause havoc, to wreak havoc. And uh, language divides, like you think of the Tower of Babel, where it breaks communion, or language can be used to communicate and bring about union. You think of the gift of the Holy Spirit Pentecost that brought about a communion among people in many languages. So I I know that it's so much easier to tear down in speech than it is to build up. I know that from helping my dad doing construction work growing up. We loved tearing down. And I think that there is a kind of a dark relish that I know I I would take and maybe have taken in, in doing sort of gotcha with my language. I can be quick and cutting and sharp and I win, <clears throat> but it was harsh. It was sarcastic. It was mean. It was off-putting. It was unnecessary, but it was clever. And, oh, come on now, it's funny. Don't take yourself too seriously. That's so easy to justify harsh language that that hurts. So, Carrie, when you think about the power of affirmation, is, is there anything that comes to your mind as the way that you've seen it be important in a married couple's life? I think when we have an argument or a disagreement, 
I think the most powerful way in which we reunite or unite is when you affirm something that I am um, taking a stand on or a point I make or just something about me. And it really disarms me and allows me to put my guard down and just pick, oh, we're on the same team. Because I feel, and no, I'm not talking about affirmations as, let me just build you up. I'm talking about when it's really hard or it's difficult and one of us has to give, one of us has to confess or ask for forgiveness or, and it sounds like, oh, this is so easy to do or common, but it really, in the midst of it, when I'm just, and I'm fighting my inner self and you, and I have to like go away for a time and just like release all that self-focused energy of selfishness. <laughs> um, well, I think we rationalize our own position. Like well, I'm right. She's wrong. Why is she so stubborn? I usually do that for about a half hour. And then I go, oh, I guess I could see where he's coming from. And then I'm able to see your side of it. Do you ever do that? I think I wait for you to come around. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're right. Uh, Always like irritated, bothered and thinking in my mind, blah, blah, blah. And then after a half hour or so, I'm like, oh, I guess I was a jerk. Or I I guess I did say things that weren't. My my position is not that important. I think that I, in, in our relationship, I don't get mean in my speech often. No. Uh, I end up, if I speak in a mean, like I, I say it like a cheap shot in, in terms of speech, that's almost a last resort. I think it's out of hurt. Out and of I, hurt and, and when you do that, I know I've hurt you. And I realize I've, I'm, my sin is causing you to sin. I can see, and this happens in when conversation or dialogue is poor, that we, when we speak to our spouse and it's, hurtful, it actually causes that other person to respond in a sinful, hurtful way, unless they have excellent self, you know, awareness and, and, and self-control, can, and self-control and all that patience. But yeah, usually when you're starting to like rev up and start, start saying things like, Oh, I think I pushed him too far. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but you said something about tone of voice. And I think that <laughs> That, that, that is a key thing. Folks, pay attention to that in your relationship. You might think that, oh, what I said wasn't that bad, but it was. It, it could have been like you said that first rather than something else. You said it in a way that was over-exaggerated or with a tone of voice that was off-putting. And it ends up causing a, a lot more hurt than you imagine. Are we talking about affirmation here? Yeah. So the, and what's the opposite? If that's the, If that's the trouble, then if that's the challenge that binds up marriages from giving off that atmosphere of life and light and, and something glorious, that's what God wants for us. We don't have to settle. Even if, Hey, we've been married 30 years. We, God has a fresh start in a new beginning and that fresh start new beginning can involve, for instance, a more authentic affirming home, a more authentic affirming way of relating to each other. So, you you have heard me talk about some of the qualities of an affirmation. So again, folks, just real quickly, an affirmation is when you identify a gift that your spouse has, an attribute, a trait, and you see you saw it on display. You saw it on display. And and then it's a matter of being able to speak it out loud in a way that is specific rather than general. 
right? In a way that is not exaggerated, in a way that's positively stated, not comparative, uh, in a way that is near in time. If you can, in, in a way that is not just once, like I'm one and done, but if you can create that pattern, that habit in your marriage, where you do speak words of affirmation to your spouse, it is it just sows seeds of life. I think it's important to, as a daily habit, try to affirm each other twice a day. I mean, once a day, sure, but to actually look for points of affirmation, like where can I affirm my per, my spouse, and be very intentional about it. Yeah, maybe we could do that for Lent, Tom. Oh, that's and good. then check it off our to do list. <laughs> Well, very if, functional. If you here. actually did that over Lent, right? Because it takes three weeks to break a habit, three more weeks to establish a new one. So, our break of vice, establish a virtue. You could be, you could become an affirming couple by the end of Lent, and that would be a powerful thing. So, the the next one, Carrie, after affirmation is acknowledgement, and acknowledgement is different than affirmation. Affirmation again is about affirming or naming the gift that someone has. Acknowledgement is about the difference that has been made that you've seen when someone who is a gift and has gifts has put them into practice. And so acknowledgement is really about expressing gratitude. It's about saying, I saw that you did that. I appreciate that you do this. I I just want to acknowledge that I am so grateful for you and what you're doing here. It makes such a difference. So gratitude is a slightly different aspect of affirmation. And so that's why we're calling it out as a third separate thing. Doesn't it feel great to be acknowledged? Oh, yes. And typically, I'm thinking about you're acknowledged for things that you kind of do regularly. Like I acknowledge that every night you make dinner or every night you do the dishes or every night you read with so-and-so and help put the kids to bed or every night you leave the family rosary. So I don't feel like it's a one and done. It's just something that's part of who they are. Well, you, know, you hear about the attitude of gratitude, right? What's the cute one that we established in our home around dinner time? When the kids were younger, do you remember? Uh, Everyone would come to the table with their plate. <laughs> Thank you, mom, for making dinner. Thank you, mom, for making dinner. And it was, we would come to the table and then it became a game for the kids. When we had nine kiddos at home, it became a game that they all came to the table and they would often be forgetting. And then we'd sit here and say, okay, it's about time to, to, to say a blessing. Let's wait for mom. And then I would, I would whisper someone's name, like Luciana. And as soon as I did that, everybody knew what I was doing. I was trying to get her attention to say, thank you, mom, for making dinner. And then all of a sudden, kids would launch in and say, thank you, mom, for making dinner. And did you, did you actually appreciate it? Oh, for sure. I loved it. But even more than that, it was, I am forming in their minds the, the, uh, that natural tendency that says it is appropriate, it is good to acknowledge with gratitude the contribution that your mom has made. That everybody makes at some point in the day. Thank you for giving me a ride. Thank you for taking time to write that note. Thank you for working so hard to provide for us. Thank you for getting up so early. Thank you for going to bed so late. I mean, there's so many things that we don't acknowledge in each other that need that really would benefit the atmosphere if those are just spoken out. And I think sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't need to be acknowledged. I don't, I just, this is just what I do. 
But when it's actually named and brought into the light and everyone can see that, especially if you do it in front of kids, mm -hmm. it really does elevate the, the home atmosphere. atmosphere. Right. Well, it, the opposite is what? Being taken for granted. And I would say one of the biggest challenges that I hear parents talk about is my kids are so ungrateful. They want more, more, more. They don't appreciate. And yours is you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, right? All right, uh, Carrie, we're, we're coming up to another break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the last two, admiration and affection. And we'll get to those in just a minute. Back with more of the program. Okay, we're back. Carrie, we've talked about appreciation, the person you are as a gift, affirmation, naming the gifts that you have, acknowledgement, expressing gratitude for the way that you, the person you are and the gifts you have make a difference in our home, in our lives. The fourth is admiration. And I like this one because it's one that I didn't really understand. I didn't have a recognition of uh, growing up as a guy. And it was, I remember, I still remember you were telling me about this when we were talking about um, the way that women, what women want in their husbands is not necessarily, oh, they're all this good looking or they're all this successful at a human level or they're um, uh, all fit, right? Uh, what they want, they want someone that they can look up to. There's something about uh, they want to be able to admire their husband. Um, that there's something, there's like a quality of nobility. There's something that I see my husband pursuing something that's noble. I don't know if I said that very well. I think that's good enough. It's good enough. Uh, I well, the base. I affirm you for that. <laughs> I acknowledge. I just want to just express gratitude. Just throw that to the side. Uh, there's that level of it being respectable. Like you want to have your spouse be somebody who's respected, but I think admired is even more self-sacrificial that that, that person lives such a life on display or on behalf of others that it really is admirable uh, because it elevate that their human excellence is beyond the common. Yeah. So you, and you just said a, a really good word in there because when I say uh, admire and be admirable, like a, a wife wants to admire her husband uh, and vice versa. But I think it, there's something very particular about a wife versus a husband. Yes, I think so. However, there is, let's, let's notch it down to something that is a little bit more like a commonplace. And that is respect, the respecting of each other. And there is a way in which in the natural flow of things, when we are not at our best and tired, having a hard day and all these other things, it, it becomes easy to show a signs of disrespect in thought, word, and attitude, uh, indeed, but attitude, way of relating that I think can be so poisonous to an environment. Why is it that it's really harmful to disrespect a husband. I don't think it is as much. I think guys really do well when they have great respect from their wives. Yeah, I I, I want to say too. Let's start with let's start with the downstream fruits. One of the things that 
you and I have been able to spot in uh, uh, in more than one family where we see kids disrespecting their mom or dad. And by kids, I can mean young adults. So kids all the way up to young adults being disrespectful of their mom or dad in a public setting. I say, and I think what we've come to see is that there's a strong connection between that and the relationship that the husband and wife have. If the wife denigrates, like puts down, or really acts in disrespectful ways or in ways that are uh, like um, just uh, just like, what's the right word? Just just writing dismissive? them off. Dismissive. Thank I, you. I, and it doesn't have to be that strong either. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this extreme case. It can just be very subtle and it just gives excuse or makes room for or opens the door for the kids to, when they're bothered to, to or irritated, to, to mimic it. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't think it has to be this terrible wife who's, always denigrating her husband. It doesn't take much for kids to pick up on that as they get older. And if, if nothing's said, it, it can be let loose. Yeah. And what can happen is I know that when we've handled it badly, like if I believe that you were disrespectful to me and like challenging something that I was saying or just dismissing it, when I did it badly, I would just come back right at you and like uh, say something that was uh, negative towards what you just said and say, how dare you say that or something like that. And I think one of the things that I've learned is if you do that, I will like call you into the other room. Maybe not exactly in that moment, but I'll, I'll walk away from the situation. And then later on, I'll say to you, uh, whatever our disagreement is, Please don't disrespect me in front of the children, in front of our kids, because it's only going to sow those seeds in them. And that there's so much at stake in that. We just can't do that. It, I maybe haven't used those exact words, but- you, Well, it you only remember? happened that one time. And so <laughs> I think that's what you did say, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that raises the awareness. That raises the awareness for us that if we do have a disagreement, and it will show up in front of our kids in a disrespectful comment or a dismissive attitude that that's released into the atmosphere. That's now shaping the culture in the home. And there's so much to that versus, oh, I acknowledge with gratitude the difference that you're making. Let me elevate the nobility of who you are, the respectability of what you're doing. And so how does that affirmation show up? That shows up, honey, just thank you so much for what you did today at work. Wow. You told me that story. Tell the kids, kids, do you realize this is what dad did today? And so that's different than acknowledging or yes. what's the other A word? Uh, affirming. <laughs> affirming. So, well, and, and, you know, it's not like they're going to be so exactly all kind of mapped out, right? There's overflows, right? Among them all, the Venn diagram overlapping of these things. And, and so the expression of admiration, it's in your eyes. It's appreciation, right? It's affirmation. It is acknowledgement. But it, there's some a specific ad, admirable quality to what it is you're doing. It's almost as if you're bragging about your spouse to your kids. Yeah. Or it's almost as if you're bragging to others about your spouse. And again, I think we're, we're slower to do that. We're not just, and bragging is probably not even the right word. You're yeah. cheerleading on their actions and 
raising it up for everyone to see, like, let's let the light out for all to see. Why do you hide these awesome qualities of your spouse? Shout it from the mountaintops. Well, it would be kind of as if you are bringing this out for everyone to see, like, isn't this admirable? Well, and what you're doing is you're really, again, creating that atmosphere in the home. And then that sows seeds into the kids' hearts and minds. And then they're going to carry that out into the world, into their relationships. Boy, you want that for their married, for their marriage. So the last one, the last A is affection. And that's something that I don't know uh, It's if it's done, like if there's like a public display of affection, like just hugs in a, in a, a warm embrace uh, of a husband and a wife in front of their kids. And that's sort of the natural, easy, accepted way of relating. That creates one spirit in the home versus, well, no, you just never see mom and dad hug or dance or laugh and hold hands and, you know, things that are are like that, you know, um, with 30 years married. And it's funny, I think that we have not been that affectionate in front of our kids, or you've talked a bit about that in terms of being affectionate with the kids. And, and, and that's something that I think shows up. In- well, we just can't do them all great, Tom. Just have to pick three of the five. Which three do you want? I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, no, I think there's a real freedom in being affectionate with each other. I think that it shows to people who are uh, genuinely free and it flows easily and naturally and it's not, I don't think people are putting on an act or I don't think it's a, let's be affectionate now. They're holding hands now. We have to hold hands kind of thing. That's the only thing about the Our Father. Well, you know what, at Mass when, you know, we've gone from- taking hold- us off track here. We've only no, got no, a minute no. left. In- we've gone from holding hands to not holding hands. The one thing I would, I do like about when we hold hands is it as, actually is an opportunity to show just a tiny bit of touch to the children because we're standing, sitting next to each other when we pray. So that would be the one for holding hands, since I think that we need to show more affection. I, I think I can see what you're saying, especially with our teenage daughters, that they are not necessarily going to be all that open to us being so warm with them. But what we're talking about is if we can be warm together, then I think that, again, it fosters that atmosphere of saying, oh, being affectionate in a, in a healthy way. Um, in a home is something that is good. And Would you beautiful. like to add that to the Lent, Lent yes. the checklist? Let's go. Affection, affection, and acknowledging. Is that no, where this affirmation. Oh, affirmation. All yes. right. Yes. And Can't push, keep all these. You'll do that in a way that's respectful. Right. <laughs> that's right. All right. So, folks, we've covered a lot of ground here, and and it's a really about as a married couple, how do you foster a godly and humanly excellent atmosphere in your home through how you live as your married life, and and we've talked about. Appreciation, that's what how they see each other in the eyes, affirmation and acknowledgement, expressing gratitude, as well as uh, admiration and uh, affection. I hope and pray that this has been a blessing to you. God bless your day.